Welcome to the Genealogy Happy Hour, a place where new family historians can learn to document their family histories and celebrate their new discoveries. I'm Amy. And I'm Penny. And we're here to help you discover your family tree from the beginning. Welcome to episode 38. In this episode, we are going to interview Janine Adams, who is a professional organizer from St. Louis, Missouri, who is also the owner of Peace of Mind Organizing and has a blog, Organizing Your Family History. So it is because of that blog that we've invited Janine Adams to our podcast to learn a little bit more about digital um, organization with our our genealogical papers and documents and things like that so we can do away with paper on the most part. She's gone from paper saving to digital saving, and that's what she's going to talk about. That's great. It's something that we can all get pointers and tips on, and um, saving your genealogical research digitally is going to help it last much longer and and safeguard it for future as well. So, But Janine has... Um, suggested a wine for us. One of the ones that she likes is Walla Walla Cabernets, like Canoe Ridge, Seven Hills, Waterbrook, and Henry Earl Estates. Uh, we're going to, we've chosen the Canoe Ridge Cab, uh, which has a earthiness with a dark cherry and a hint of vanilla. Mm-hmm. So we appreciate Janine giving us um, those recommendations for some really good red wines. Yes. So... All right, so let's start um, with our chat with Janine. Well, welcome, Janine, to our podcast. This is episode 38. We're so happy that you could join us. I'm happy to be here. Awesome. Um, wondered if you could just start off by telling us a little bit about your um, your genealogy organization journey. Um, I know you started with paper, and you now rarely use paper at all. So how did that all come about? Sure. I, um, when I started doing genealogy, gosh, going on 20 years ago, it was all paper, like, you know, handwritten pedigree charts mm-hmm. with no source citations, and it was a big hot mess. And so in about 2012, I did a big genealogy do-over where I started from scratch. And at that point... I started blogging as well. So I, I can look back and actually see what I did um, because I talked about it so much. But I would print everything out, and I had some paper checklists, and mm-hmm. um, that's where my comfort level was because everything I downloaded, say, from Ancestry, was a big gobbledygook file name, and I would just get lost instantly in my hard drive because I had no strategy for it. And then gradually I um, developed a file naming protocol that gave me comfort and a folder structure so I knew that I could find the documents and I stopped uh, printing and instead started downloading and it also helped that my eyes were getting older and I couldn't see those darn, uh, like a census, a printed out 8.5 by 11 census sheet. I had literally had to get out a magnifying glass so when I could um, just download them and open them in preview and, and zoom in, that made my life a lot easier and now um, I literally don't print anything out. I, I can stay at my desk doing all my research without getting up. And before, my files were in a file cart that was a few steps away. My printer's a few steps away. Everything's easier now. 
That's a really good point about um, the census records and some of those very, very detailed records. It's a lot easier to see them on screen because you can really zoom in and get this detail that you can't see once you print it out. Absolutely. Excellent. So, and I do like the file naming protocol. That's that's really important. Very important. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So, speaking of your file um, or your folder structure, um, so you you have a digital filing system now that you um, are happy with, and can you yes. can you tell us how that how that kind of looks on your computer? How you, what your system is? Sure. I use a Mac, um, and I have a genealogy folder, and under that I have a surnames folder, and. I put the surnames folder in the um, sidebar in my Finder, which is, I think, on a Windows machine called Windows Explorer. I can't remember. I'm sorry. but uh, so, there, I, so my surnames folder is where everything gets downloaded to. And then I'm in, within that folder, I have a folder for each surname that's a, a mm-hmm. sort of a direct line surname. Right. Um, and then at some point, when I finally wised up and started doing more collateral research, I created a collateral folder as well, and that sort of is a, it has the same, pretty much the same structure as the direct line folder, it's just it keeps things a little more separate. So I'll have the same surnames in there, and sometimes different surnames with the collaterals because it goes out wider. Mm-hmm. Um, and then within each folder, so I have a surname folder, let's say it's Adams, I'll have uh, a folder for each individual person. And that's where that person's documents go. So I try to keep it simple. I don't nest it any further than that. It's not like a family tree. So I'll have all my people whose last name was Adams, who are direct line ancestors, together in that folder. And then the wives um, will say, like, Adams, parentheses, Rasco, which was her maiden name, you know, Beatrix. And then I have her, um, her birth and death dates there because there are so many similar names. So that helps me differentiate them. Okay, that that makes me think. It, one thing I struggle with is the women. When you're putting the women in, I, I have been filing um, women under their maiden names um, just because that's how I research them most of the time rather than under their married name and then putting their married name kind of in parentheses. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, there's no one right way to do it, yeah. right? So no, whatever not. works for you is great. And that makes a lot of sense, especially in my family tree. It, it's the woman's maiden name that's mm-hmm. there. Um, I think I didn't want to separate my couples into yeah. different folders. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's why I did it that way. Yeah, and yeah. I thought about that when I was doing mm-hmm. mine. I'm like, well, you're not going to be with your, <laughs> with your husband. But yeah. Yeah. yeah, that does make it <laughs> difficult. Yeah, and that's what I found because I do have my women separated. They have their own folder in their own surname folder. But then I have duplicates of, like, the marriage record. The marriage record's in his folder and in her folder. So right. you end up with yes. Right, as, as do I, yeah. Okay, yeah. I okay. do that as well. Okay. Duplicate. Because you, you can with the yeah. digital. <laughs> you can yeah. put them anywhere. It's very easy, yes. <laughs> That's true. Um, now, do you use a cloud-based storage, um, or is everything on your hard drive with the backup? Well, I, uh, everything's on my hard drive, but I use Reunion software, and uh-huh. it has me storing things in Dropbox. Right. So I, I have to admit, I find it all mildly confusing um, about with Dropbox, whether things are on my hard drive or only in the cloud. I, kind of, I think they're both. Um, and then I also have an external hard drive where everything's backed up, and mm-hmm. then I back up mm-hmm. to Backblaze yeah. as well. Right. Well, I'm, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm a Mac user as well, and I use Reunion. And, yes, Reunion does have you, in order to use their app, you have to have um, your data in the, in 
Dropbox because it right. it syncs up with Dropbox. So okay. Is it also on my hard drive? Though I think it is. I believe it is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and I use. But it is like a miracle. I mean, the, the, it is. I download documents to my hard drive, and on my phone I can pull them up. Yeah. It feels like a miracle. I it like is it. right. We're, how did we do yeah. without that? Yeah. Um, yeah, I know. I need, I use Roots Magic. I have a Windows based computer, and I use one drive. I think is where all my stuff is copied to. Mm-hmm. So it's all out in the Microsoft. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I back it up to Backblaze as mm-hmm. well. That's a good mm-hmm. good point. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay. So my question is, well, one of my big questions is, is how do you find a document when you've you've got all these documents put in there and. You need to find something later on. How how do you find it on the computer? Because I know if I've got a, I do have a binder system that I've um, have a log for that I can go to a physical document pretty quickly. But to find one that I filed digitally, what's the secret to finding those files? Well, I think the secret is keeping up with your filing. So because if they're filed, you'll find them. Uh, I mean, so you have a folder structure that makes sense to you. Okay. And in my case, it's by person under their surname. Okay. Um, and then part of when I download a document, I don't file it out. It hangs out in the surname's folder, like at the top of the folder, until I've actually what I call processed it. So I've created a source citation. I've entered all the data from the document into Reunion, and I've attached the document to the source citation, the record. Okay. Then, when all that's done, then I move it, I file it into the individual person. Okay. Um, So, I have sometimes, frequently, a backlog of documents that need to be um, processed because I've gone crazy online downloading things. Um, Right now, I have this backlog, and I I wrote in my log today, no more research until backlog is gone. (laughs) Um, So, easily tell um, if it's unprocessed as long as my backlog doesn't get too big, which it doesn't. Okay. And if I'm looking for uh, if I'm looking for a document, I just go to that person. And, and part of the secret sauce is having a consistent file naming protocol. Mm-hmm. So I've got the folder structure that we discussed, right. but I also name all my files the same way so that I can um, also easily find them. So, would you like me to tell you what my yeah, that uh, would be great protocols? Yes, I always start with the year, um, and then the uh, type of document. So, let's say um, here, let's pull up a real life one. So, I don't have to make it up. Uh, Nineteen thirty U.S. Census, and then I put a hyphen and the name of the person on the census, and then the, the main person. So, usually, I hate to be sexist, but it's usually the head of household, which is usually the man. Okay. Um, hyphen the location. So, um, you know, 1930 census, George Washington Adams, uh, Indianapolis, Indiana. Okay, and when you do the name, you do first name, then last name, not last name, then first name. I do, yeah. Okay. I'm pretty loosey-goosey. So, when I do the folder, I do last name, first name. But when I do the file name, I do first name, last name. Don't ask me why. Okay. I think because I don't want a comma in the last in the file name, and I don't like looking at it without a comma. Okay. I, I know. Um, I started to follow your 
lead of the year first, but I come up with a lot of things, especially my photographs. I don't know the year. <laughs> so do you, when you don't know the year, do you make a guess or do you just not put a year in? Oh, that's a really good question. I don't have a lot of photographs in this file structure. Okay. So these are mostly documents I'm talking about. I have not okay. really dealt with photographs yet. I have a box of them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I don't have a good question for that, but I imagine, I mean, good answer, but I imagine my answer would be I do a, a guess. Okay, well, um, let's let's say, forget it's a photograph. What if it was like a letter you had that had no date on it? It was, you know, a letter that you're... I mean, right. you know the years that that person lived. Would you just... Start I'm just with, start with unknown. I, Would you start with like just unknown? Maybe. U and K or something like that? Yeah, or maybe a range yeah. if I could narrow it down. Um, but... Because at least in a document, like you, like you said, you'd have a you'd have a, a lifespan of a person and you could do a range on that probably. Right. Okay. You know, I, I suspect what I'd actually do, I don't know if this is consistent with everything else but just goes to show there's no one right way to do it mm-hmm. i'd probably in if i had a person it was associated with in their folder i'd create a full a subfolder that said personal correspondence or letters or something like oh, that okay and yeah. um so that i could get my hands on i do have a a really long letter that my grandfather wrote my grandmother before they were married it's like I, I don't know, it's like 30 pages. He wrote big. Oh, my God. And, yeah. It was, and he was telling his bride-to-be all his the skeletons in his closet. It was great. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Uh, wow. <laughs> That's a treasure. Meteor skeletons that I found. But um, and in that case, even though I have a date on it, it I did give it its own folder because I scanned each page separately. Okay. So it's just in a folder with um, called Correspond. Dave's Letter to Be. No, yeah, okay. whatever. Okay. Yeah. So, the, yeah, I'm... I'm um, I know. I think there's a lot of latitude to do things the way that you think will work with your sure. brain. Also, wanting to make it clear for people who are looking at it after you. Yes. Right. Yes. Right. Very important. Yeah. Now, when you do scan, do you use a particular format, uh, DPI, or equipment, or? Well, I have two scanners, okay. and one is a sheet-fed scanner. It's the um, uh, Fujitsu Scan Snap. It's the pre- the precursor to the IX500. I think it's called the. S1500M. And it's just a sheet fed scanner. So I use that for non precious documents and um, hardier stuff. And then I also splurged on a Fujitsu ScanSnap SV600, which is that contactless scanner. Do you know that one? No. I think I, I, know, what you're, I, I know what you're talking it, about. Yeah. It kind of looks like a, the top of an overhead projector from back in the day. I don't know how old you guys are, but if you know what overhead projectors oh, yes. are. But yes. um, <laughs> you lay the document flat. In front of the scanner, it comes with a little mat, and then it waves a light over the scanner um, from above, so nothing touches the document, oh, okay. uh, which is, it sounds really great, yeah. and it is really great, except so many documents want to curl, and um, so what I ended up doing to try to deal with that is buy a, um, uh, uh, a piece of glass that is non-glare, that's the word I'm looking for, mm-hmm. non-glare glass that I'll put over the document. Oh, okay. Okay. Good solution. It, does, it scans through the glass. Okay. Excellent. Um, in any case, um, that's proven. It was like a, a fun toy. I mean, it just couldn't like resist it, and it was like six hundred dollars or something. So it's kind of an expensive thing mm-hmm. not to resist. Um, yeah. I should probably <laughs> resist it, but uh, occasionally it's very handy. Although the fact mm-hmm. is, I don't use it a ton. Mm-hmm. 
because usually, again, I'm not really scanning that much fragile stuff. Um, I mostly, if I scan at all, it's like my ancestors' Civil War pension files that the that NARA has sent. Right, yeah. right. And then I can just put that through the sheet pen scanner. Yeah. And the DPI, um, it's whatever the default is. Okay. But it's good. Okay. Um, so it was probably, because I, I can blow things up big. Like I'm thinking of my pension files. Mm-hmm. So it's probably 300. Yeah. Would be my yeah. guess. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Nice. Okay. And I think that there, it scans to, I think, PDF. Okay. Mm-hmm. But obviously, I'm not 100% clear since I'm speaking so slowly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't pay uh, that much attention, I guess. Sorry. Okay. okay. Good. Um, so another thing that you talk about are, is uh, obviously a big thing, and this is a big thing for me too, is going paperless, you know, having things digital, not printing out a lot of paper. Because uh, back when we would have the census form and we had files, I would put that same census in everybody's file that was listed on that census, and it's just so much wasted paper. Right, um, effort. Yeah, for sure. So, um, and then we'd be saving trees if we stopped doing all that stuff. Um, you list in one of your blogs eight reasons to go paperless, and I wondered if you could share a few of the most important reasons to you to go paperless. Sure. Sure. Well, I um, already shared one, which is there's so much easier to read. Yes. Um, and you can adjust the contrast. You can make things bigger, um, and it really – that's huge for me um, because – my vision is not what it used to be. Um, I also like that it's way easier to file an electronic document. You just drag it. And rather than opening a folder or a binder, mm-hmm. oh, don't even get me started on binders, um, how yeah. hard they are to use, uh, <laughs> and you know, putting the paper in. And then you mentioned a big one, which is they're really easy to duplicate. So if you wanted to put a census record in each person's uh, mm-hmm. folder on electronically, it's, you know, it takes a, a few clicks versus yeah. photocopies and opening multiple folders. Um, and I like that I always have my files with me. I'm a, um, I use a laptop, and, and I'm not big on tablets for in my genealogy research. So when I go somewhere to, to research, I always take my MacBook with me, and everything is there. It's so wonderful. When I think about back in the day, I would select which folders I thought I'd need at the library and I had a big thick folder of this crazy pedigree chart from when I first started out that may or may not be accurate but provides hints and I would carry that around and uh, with my it's all there I don't have to even worry about it and and it's easy to back up yeah there is nothing worse than being on a research trip and not having the file that you want or not access to that although I will say that I listened to your guys's um preparing for a research trip uh, episode uh-huh. earlier this year and the point you make about bringing along some backup that's not electronic just in case you can't take your device or your laptop into yeah. a place yeah. is a good one yeah it would be really horrible to not even have a piece of paper to write on <laughs> um, so, so that yes. is a good point yeah um, but I my I'm planning to take a big research trip this year and my intention is to try really hard to know the requirements of each place I go. Although I know that one ends up going to different places on right, the, right, the yeah. plan. So yeah, where's yeah, your reach, where are you planning on going? Um, Kentucky. Oh, nice. Oh, good, good, good. good. Yeah, so. I'm excited. I haven't been for a, a while. I've been spending my money going to conferences and my, my time, which is great. But this year I decided um, yeah. to go to 
on a research trip. But the National Genealogical Society conference is in my city, so that's true. I will yeah. be going to that. Yes. Yes. Perfect. Yes. Perfect. I know Amy and I had okay. so much fun on our trip to Ohio, mm-hmm. although it was freezing. Yeah. Um, we're planning another one. Yeah, and I've, I've done a lot of research in Kentucky, and uh, the the state archives in Frankfurt are, are lovely, lovely place to, yes. to research. So very nice. Yeah, I'm excited. I've been there a couple of times, um, but you know, I just keep getting better in my genealogy research. So there's always more right. to find, and I know I'll use it, the repository better this time than I did right. last. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. The, and the more and the more research we do, the more we find, then we have to kind of go back and. and uh, retrace our steps and, right. and yes. utilize the new information that we've gotten. So good. Well, enjoy your trip. That'd be fun. Thanks. Um, and speaking of like practice and doing better and, and whatever you have, um, you've mentioned in your blog that you have a 30 by 30 challenge, which is uh-huh. 30 minutes a day for a 30 days goal for doing research. And I love this. And I did this last month and um my goal for this year is to do it four more times this year i thought four times is good that's not every month you know because that would be a little overwhelming probably for me but um wondered how did you come up with this fabulous idea oh um i was i know myself and i know that external accountability is really helpful for me and i was i think at the time when i first started doing it i was transcribing one of my great grandfather great great grandfather's civil war pension files which is a really sort of tedious task Mm -hmm. and i um know because i'm a professional organizer i know that breaking tasks into small bites really makes them feel less overwhelming Mm so i thought you know what if i do this a half an hour a day i can really get somewhere and i thought well let's see if other people want to join me and what it's been great this that was i think in 2015 and um I know that when I have a challenge going, it gets me researching every day because, you know, it's my challenge. So I feel like I, I almost always live up to it. Not always. Sometimes life gets in the way. But it is what helps me put genealogy research at the top of my priority list instead of the bottom. And I know that frequent uh, frequent research that's not very long, frequent brief research helps me stay focused because I'm not going to go chasing bright shiny objects when I only have a half an hour. I mean, certainly one can research more than a half an hour in the 30 by 30 challenge, but in my life, it's just too busy, so I stop at the half an hour and if I'm doing it like before I go to work in the morning. So it keeps me focused, which I really appreciate. I love this. And do you stick to strictly research for that 30 minutes or or, or for this the challenge part of it, or do you consider... Um, you know, like if you're going to scan some documents, that's your 30 minutes, or is that is it strictly research? Oh no, absolutely anything. Anything goes. And okay. A lot of the people who, um, when people decide to participate and want to comment on on a blog post, they'll sometimes tell me what they're working on. And a lot of people are spending the time working on organizing their research, which makes perfect sense since okay. they found me because they're interested in organizing their research. Right. So they might be scanning or whatever. I. Um, I almost always am doing the research part, maybe because I, the, my research is organized. Yeah. I don't have <laughs> You're already organized. And I do have this little backlog <laughs> that I need to take care of. <laughs> but that's, I mean, to me, processing a downloaded document, I mean, finding a downloaded document, finding a document and then downloading it, that's just part A of the research, right? The mm-hmm. next part is extracting the information and, and doing all the things you need to do with it. 
yeah. to benefit from it, which and then the last step of that is filing. So it's all organizing or it's all research, I guess, is a better way to think yeah. of it. Yeah, no, you're right. No, it's true. It's, it's, every step is important. Mm-hmm. Now, you did mention overwhelming. What, what tri- tips or tricks do you have in coping with that overwhelming um feeling when you see these stacks and stacks of documents and research piling up and all of the notes how do you um how do you help someone be able to tackle that well it's it's, the organizational process paper and they want to it sort of depends what they want to do but it's a stack of paper and their goal is to file it all then and if it's a stack that's sort of a hodgepodge just a stack an organic stack if you will right. i'd suggest and you already have a filing system i'd suggest doing a broad sort that mm-hmm. sort of goes with your file system so in, in my case it would be by family probably mm-hmm. just try to get mm-hmm. all the addinses together and all the browns together mm-hmm. so that when you file um it's easier so you're not going back and forth so, so much. you're making the big um, you're making the big pile into to numerous smaller piles yeah, mm-hmm. some smaller piles. Okay. And that can be a task that you can check off. And then um, if that doesn't feel quite so overwhelming because that's not hard to do. Um, and then maybe the next step is to is to sort that one of those piles into individuals or couples or however um, you're doing it. Uh, and then, so just take it step by step so that each bite feels doable because that's the trick to getting past overwhelm. The other huge helpful thing to do is to have a timer. I mean, so you can say, I'm going to sort this whole stack, or you can say, I'm just going to sort for 30 minutes, and then I'll stop. The the hard part about that is, um, if it's paper, is maintaining what order you've created until you finish, right? Until the the next time, right. Mm -hmm. Things get messier before they get cleaner, typically. Um, So I think it makes more sense to maybe think of it in terms of a, a finished project like you know, small, small projects, like divide them into your four surnames and then from that go whatever the next step is until you're finally filing. Um, if you're, what you're hoping to do is not actually file the, that stack of papers, but scan them and create a right. folder structure, um, you know, figure out your, the structure that you want to use and then do the same thing. Just do sort the papers so that you're, not all over the place. It just makes it easier to process when there's, um, you know, like things together. Um, but I always tell people if they're doing that, to don't you don't have to wait until everything is scanned before you start processing your new documents into your new electronic folder structure. So you know, decide today. Okay, I'm going. I'm going to stop printing documents that I've downloaded instead. I'm just going to download them and file them and just file them from this point forward and then work on your backlog. I see. So then don't, don't keep adding to the pile. Start your. Exactly. Right. You're never, okay. the, pile, the pile's never going to go away. If right. You right. Um, and then, you know, and most people don't want to spend their t- genealogy time filing. So you want to do research. So, um, yeah, just mm-hmm. start your new way now. Mm-hmm. And then um, you don't even have to, you know, if you want to, if your goal is to be completely paperless, if you will, um, come up with a systematic way to go through your paper files and scan them. But know that you don't have to. Again, there's no one right way to do it. I have paper files um, from when I started out that I haven't scanned and I never look at. Okay. Uh, right. So, <laughs> right. If I did look at them, I would scan them. 
Now, right, prioritize then I would probably toss them, unless they feel like originals yeah. that I need to keep. Yeah. Um, Janine, you're also the co-author of the Paperless Genealogy Guide, along with Brooks Duncan of Document Snap, uh-huh. right? And yes. Yeah, Brooks is a scanning expert, which is why I was so lame in my... Um, my response about <laughs> the technical side of scanning and telling all that to him. <laughs> He's got all the answers there. Um, yeah. And I know that's available on the, it's on the Document Snap website. Yeah, there's a link to it on my website, organizeyourfamilyhistory.com, okay. uh, under genealogy guides, and that will take you to Brooks's website, or you could just go straight to documentsnap.com. Okay. And it's a, I think it's about 50 pages, and it's um, $9. Uh, it has lots of info. Like It goes into detail about folder structure and, and file naming protocols, and it's not just mine, but other examples as well. Um, and then lots of information about scanning and backing up and stuff like that. Yeah, it's a, it's a wonderful, um, wonderful addition to anybody's uh, library. That um, especially those of us that need to get better organized, whatever. <laughs> well, thank you, Brooks, and I did a, a presentation at uh, Roots Tech. What was that in 2017 oh, about nice. going paperless? That was fun. Good. Yeah, excellent, excellent. Well, um, thank you so much for being on our podcast today, Janine. We are going to have links to your um, to your paperless genealogy guide and your website, your blog, and, and whatnot um, for everyone. And um, really appreciate all the tips and tricks you've given us in our... Well, it's been my pleasure. It's been fun talking to you. Hey, can I throw out there that a uh, little plug for my podcast? Please which do. Which is not about, ge- it's not about genealogy. Yeah. Um, it, but it's called Getting to Good Enough. And it's about letting go of perfectionism so you can do more of what you love. Ah, and that's a good one. In genealogy, sometimes we get a little hung up on perfection, and that can hold us back. So yes. I just wanted to mention that. You can find it at gettingtogoodenough.com. I think that's a good okay. a good life lesson for all of us. We can get so <laughs> so fixated on, yeah. on having this one, you know, everything perfect in our lives that we... Absolutely. We forget to stop it can and be enjoy really it. Yes. yes. And, you, and on that podcast, you have an episode on genealogy as well, don't you? Yes, we do. We talk about um, my co-host Shannon has an amazing treasure trove of original documents that her that her mother had when her mother moved into assisted living. Shannon didn't even know about it that she oh, had all these documents, gosh. and she got really overwhelmed about what to do with them. And she felt a real responsibility to handle them perfectly because they're something that others in her family could use. Mm-hmm. And so we sort of talked through an approach that allowed her to get past that perfectionism. Um, and get it filed in such a way that it's actually, she can actually get her arms around it and do something with it. Gotcha. Well, thank you again. We really appreciate it. Appreciate your time and all your tips. Yes. And well, you're more than welcome. Thanks so much for having me. All right. All right. Until, Until next time. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you for listening. Please email us with any questions or comments at genealogyhappyhour at gmail.com. Visit our website, www.genealogyhappyhour.com, for additional resources, books, and wines. Don't forget to drink responsibly. And never drink around genealogical documents.